Amen. Amen. You know, I got I was watching that football game last night. I got two buddies and and Brian Colville is one of them and he's an Ohio State fan and then Corey Stel Corey Stelton Poe is a Georgia fan and I don't know, I just like to pull with Corey on all that stuff, but I'm sorry, Brian Colville, that they got beat last night, bro. It's a bad bad way to start the new year. Uh but yeah. I'm not a Kentucky fan anymore. I've quit that, so that's one of my New Year's resolutions, no longer be a Kentucky fan. Amen. Y'all don't, no, bad jokes already starting out. Let's get into it. Good way to start the new year. I really feel like, you know, we're starting out, it's, it's funny when people, we start out the new year and we talk about uh, New Year's resolutions. I actually saw uh, something a guy was starting a Bible reading plan, and you know how people like do the Bible in the year? Well, this dude's going to read the whole Bible in 30 days. I thought, man, I wonder how long that'll last. Like, he, he's kicking it off, going to read the whole Bible in 30 days. Any takers on that? Let's do it. You know what I'm talking about? Let's get into it. But we set, we set some very uh, serious and intentional goals sometimes at the beginning of the year, and, and oftentimes those are difficult to maintain. Even for myself, I, sometimes I set goals that are, that are a little bit above what I can, I can do throughout the year. But here's the thing, and I, I say this every year, and when, even when it comes to 21 days of prayer and fasting, that's one of the reasons Jeremy said what he said, is, is I've seen people go literally 21 days uh, fasting, and, and, and do that for, for the Lord during that time. But, but there's a lot of conversation among the church. Oh, you, you hungry, you this, you that. And, and the, the thing is, during this time, we're going to have three prayer meetings, like you said. And on the Wednesdays, we're going we're gonna to invite people, if you can, if you, like have, if you have the health and the ability to fast, to fast, that means don't eat food, on those Wednesdays that we meet together for those prayer meetings corporately. But then we, what we want you to do besides that is during those 21 days, you pick for yourself and keep it between you and the Lord. And, and whether it be like, you know, I'm going to cut TV out, I'm going to cut social media out, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, do a three-day fast where I just drink water and pray during those three days, or, or I'm going to fast whatever for 21 days. I'm going to fast one meal a day for 21 days, and during that time, during lunch, I'm going to go out and pray. Whatever you decide between you and the Lord, that's really where the meat and potatoes is, folks. It's one thing for a guy to get up and say, hey, let's, let's pray and fast together, and we just sort of moan and talk about what we're not eating together and what we are eating together. But when you get serious about God and you take it into the secret place and you say, Lord, nobody knows about this but me and you, and I'm going to stick to this thing, and I'm going to do this thing because I want you to know that I, I want to engage with you, and I want to consecrate myself unto you, Lord. There's something that happens in that. The most powerful experiences I've ever had in my life was when I made a decision to say, God, nobody knows about this but me and you, but I'm setting this time. I'm setting this thing apart. I'm fasting to you. I mean, if anybody asks, hey, you ain't eating nothing, you fasting, I ain't going to lie, yeah, but then I'm going to move on. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm not putting the focus on that. I'm putting my focus on God. It's not about not eating it's about seeking the Lord and in it you're not eating in order to keep your focus on him and so that's what we're talking about and and as we talk about it I'm going to I'm going to dive into a few of these things but I'm going to start a sermon series called consecrate and as we move into this first message one of the things that I really want to talk to you about is the most important place in the world okay and I don't know what you think the most important place in the world is. Like if I asked you what's the most important place in the world, what would some people say? It'd be like Washington, D.C. That's the most important place in the world. That's where all the decisions are made. Maybe it's Disneyland. I don't know. Maybe you'd, maybe, maybe you'd get real serious and be like, I don't know, man, New York City. Like that's, pretty, that's a pretty serious place. What is the most important place in the world? Maybe you would say, well, it's, it's my home. Uh, that's, where, that's where everything takes place. Maybe that would be a good spiritual answer. Can I tell you that your home is not the most important place? in the world. Washington, D.C. is not the most important place in the world. The church building is not the most important place in the world. There's one place in Scripture where it says that God is, and that is called the secret place. God is in the secret place, and the most important place in the world is the secret place. And it's so interesting because we will go all kinds of places, and we, I mean, I, I go, we'll go to Dollywood, you know what I'm talking about, and ride the roller coasters and eat a funnel cake. I mean, we'll go to New York City. We go to all these places, and they're wonderful places. We go to church, and it's a wonderful place. But the most important place in the world that very few people go to is the secret place. 
And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning is the secret place. That's the place that God is calling us to in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 and 6. It says, When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. And Jesus was really just talking about the Jewish people, about the fact that they had got into it. It was, it was a very popular thing to be religious, and so they would just pray publicly because what they wanted was to people to say, Wow, man, look how spiritual those guys are. That's amazing. And, uh, and, and he said, Assuredly, I say to you, guess what? They have their reward. What they have is public applause. Congratulations, you pray. That's amazing. He says, But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door... Pray to your Father who is in the secret place. It says He's in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now when we first think about this, most people will say, Well, Clay, man, God is everywhere. Don't you know that God is omnipresent? God is everywhere? And I would say, absolutely, I know that God is everywhere. There's not a thing in this world that is hidden from the eyes of God. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere. But do you understand that in Scripture there is actually levels to God's presence? There is the fact that He is everywhere, but there's a difference between God being everywhere and then you engaging with His active presence. When you get saved, matter of fact, the Scripture says you become the temple of God. There's an indwelling presence of God. So no longer is He just everywhere in a corporate sense, but now He lives and dwells on the inside of you. There's a corporate presence. That means that when we come together, He says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. There's a greater opportunity for the manifest presence of God. And matter of fact, in Scripture, there is a manifest presence of God. Whenever they consecrated themselves and they offered sacrifices to the Lord, they dedicated the temple. It says, the glory of the Lord filled the temple and they could no longer stand because of the presence of Lord, the glory, the manifest presence of God that was there. And then I want to tell you that there's a personal presence. And the power and the presence that we carry as a church is an overflow of the presence that we connect with in the secret place. I need you to understand that when we come together, the Bible says that He inhabits the praises of His people. When we come in here, we're not just singing songs to be singing songs. And I'm going to say this every, about every week till we get it. But when we praise God, we have an opportunity to genuinely lift our voices to heaven and believe that when we sing, we're not just listening to good singers as good and as amazing as they are. When we engage God with praise, He inhabits those genuine heartfelt praises. His presence manifests. And we long for that. This year I long for the presence of God. But I'm going to tell you how that presence is going to become more manifest in a way beyond what we've experienced. And that's because you find the personal presence of God in the secret place this year. If you will get alone with God and you'll be prayed up in the secret place where nobody else is and you come in here on a Sunday morning and you say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to step into your presence. I'm going to give you praise. And we do that corporately. You're going to come in here and there won't be a dry eye in the place because the Lord will have shown up the presence of God will have manifested and this is what we're longing for but the problem is none of us are in the secret place I ain't gonna say none of us but few of us are often in the secret place so when we come in corporately we're barely getting drips from heaven barely getting drips from heaven because we've not been saturated when nobody else is looking and it's one thing to preach unsaturated. It's one thing to stand on stage and sing a song unsaturated because then we're just hoping for a drip from heaven. But if we come in here soaking wet because we've been in the secret place, there's going to be a flood of the gates of heaven that opens up in this place. And that's what we want to see. God is in the secret place. And here's the thing. So many people, they say, well, yeah, Clay, I believe that. I believe God's in the secret place. But if you, if you really believed God was there, don't you think you'd go more often? If you really believe God, like if somebody told you, boys, you're going to have an encounter with God, I promise you, if you go to this place, most of y'all be like, where is it at, bro? I mean, like, where, do I got to go to McDonald's? Is it in the playpen? Like, where do we go? Because I go just about anywhere to have an encounter and experience with God. And he's saying, no, 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 the Father is in the secret place. 
He's in there waiting on you. And the place where you're going to experience freedom, the place where you're going to experience a new empowerment from the Holy Spirit, the place where God is going to speak to your heart about difficult situations that you've been going through, the place where your addictions are going to finally break and you're going to have a heart changed so that you don't have to any longer be enslaved to those things that have been dragging you down so long, you're going to find that in the secret place. You're not going to find that from me giving you a good spiritual tip. You're not going to find that from me laying hands on you with anointing oil. You need to go meet with God in the secret place because He's in there waiting on you this year. He is in there waiting on you this year. And there's so many places we'll go for so many different things. But if you go in here, you're going to find the greatest thing in your life. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. The devil's going to fight tooth and toenail to keep you enslaved to the things that he's got you enslaved to right now. And the one thing that he wants more than anything, i got to be honest with you, I think the devil is completely content with a lot of people coming to church. He's like, you know what, they come to church, they check their boxes, they feel good about what they're doing, but it's all right because I've still got them enslaved. They come to church week after week, everything's going well, but the one place that I do not want them to go is in the secret place where their father is. I don't want them to get alone with God because it's in that place they'll begin to deal with the issues of their heart. They'll become to, begin to come to a true place of repentance. God will expose things in their life and they'll be opened up and the Spirit of God will meet them in that secret place and Satan is fighting so hard to keep you out of the secret place. And one of the greatest sins and the greatest tragedies in the Christian life today is the sin of neglect. You know, in Scripture, Hebrews says, how shall we expect to escape if we neglect so great a salvation? And here's the thing, we neglect oftentimes. We know we do. And, and here's the thing, I don't want to give everybody a beat down on, uh, on New Year's Day. I really don't. Like, I want you to be encouraged. I want you to get excited about reading Scripture. But you know as well as I do, the Lord comes to me and He says, Clay, you, do you remember? Do you remember when you were young, when we first started this thing, the only thing you cared about was the secret place? It wasn't about ministry. It wasn't about preaching a sermon. It wasn't about being on a stage. You wanted me. You wanted my presence. And out of that place, there was an overflow of power. Out of that place, there was an overflow of my goodness. That's the place where you met me. That's the place where you found freedom. That's the place where you found strength. That's the place where your mind was renewed. And he's saying, you've got to come back to this place. You've got to come back to this place because I'm telling you folks, so many of us can get in this routine of, well, it's about going to church and going to church is good and, and, and this and that. Maybe I'll put, put a few extra things in, but I'm telling you, if you want to see the power of God in your life begin to move, you've got to find the secret place. Move into the secret place. We can't neglect these things. William Wilberforce said it like this. He said, of all things, guard against neglecting God in the secret place of prayer. Of all things, guard against. What, what is the secret place anyway? You know what I'm saying? I remember, so, so when I was a college student, I was dealing with all these addictions, and I was starting to seek God, and I was starting to read the Bible. I remember reading through Matthew first. And when I got to chapter 6, I read about, hey, if you, you, you who pray, pray in secret. The Lord who sees in secret will reward, will reward you openly. It says, when you fast, fast in secret. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. When you give, give in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So I made it a point. I didn't tell nobody. Matter of fact, I didn't want to tell nobody. I don't know if you realize this or not, but your buddies who you, who, who you do drugs with, they don't necessarily want to hear about Scripture at the time. You know what I'm saying? They're like, Clay, you're a buzzkill. I mean, don't bring this stuff in here on us. And so I wasn't telling nobody. But I began to get along with God. I would go out into a field where my sister lived and I would walk. Just walk around praying, sometimes for an hour, two hours. Just walk around outside praying. I'd go into a room. Matter of fact, there have been times in my life, even here lately, I got me a good closet. I go into a closet. I sit in the floor of that closet. Because you know what? Most people ain't going to come looking for you in a closet. I come to this church. I, I try to pray. Almost impossible. You're going to have to do it between the hours of midnight and 5 a.m. Because I tell you, if you come any of those hours, somebody coming in on you. Somebody amen me like this. It's a difficult thing to find the secret place. And see, you've got to find it. You've got to find it because it's the most important thing in the world, he says, of all things. I could neglect a lot of things. This year, you could actually uh, neglect your phone. You'd probably be all right. Some of you could neglect Netflix. Probably wouldn't hurt you none. Amen, right? Some of you could ne neglect your hygiene a little bit. I remember, you know, Andrea, her teeth were always so white, and I couldn't understand it because she, she didn't even brush at night. <laughs> I 
We went. We went to. Uh, we went to the dentist one time and got our teeth cleaned. And I got mine cleaned, and I looked over at the dentist. I said, I hate to tell you this, but she don't brush at night. <laughs> and so, the, you know, the, the, the dental hygienist rebuked her. And since then, she's been brushing at night. But guess what? She neglected her hygiene a little bit. It didn't even hurt her that much. You can neglect your hygiene. You can neglect your phone. There's a lot of things you can neglect. But if you neglect the secret place, it will cost you this year. You're going to get spiritual cavities. There are going to be gaps open wide in your mouth for the enemy to infiltrate and infect. You're going to need a spiritual root canal and it'll be too late by then. Somebody amen me this morning. Some of y'all need a spiritual root canal right now. Y'all are set up, man, like plaque in there that needs dug out spiritually. And the only way you're going to get that plaque out is seeking God in the secret place, doing a little prayer and fasting, and getting your soul back right with God. Man, that's good preaching this morning. Before Jesus teaches how to pray, he actually teaches us where to pray. Matthew 6, 6, I'm going to read it again. When you pray, go into your room. When you have shut the doors, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. Jesus tells us where Father God lives on earth. He's in the secret place. He doesn't say go in there and he'll meet you. He says go in there because that's where he's at. That's where he is. I tell Andrea sometimes, I say, look, I'm going to go in here in the closet. And I'm sitting in there with coats and T-shirts and socks and a dresser. And I'm sitting on a pillow. And in that place, all of a sudden, the presence of God's there. And it begins to speak to my heart. And I begin to give him my burdens. Sometimes I'm just silent. But I'm in that secret place and tears begin to stream down my face and the burdens are lifted. I've got a, a, a fresh love in my heart for my family, for my friends, for the church. Sometimes I question whether or not I can even continue pastoring. I go to the secret place. God reminds me of his calling. He reminds me of the moments we've had together. He reminds me of the things that he's brought me through. But I'm telling you something. If I neglect that secret place, I get weary. I get weak. I'm tempted. I move toward the flesh. I move toward my own energy. And all of a sudden, I find myself confused, distraught, anxious, fear-ridden. But when I go back to the secret place, the presence of God breaks it all off. I'm telling you, folks, you can't get a drug to do what the secret place does. You can't get anything to do what the secret place does. And even for Jesus, if I look at Jesus' life, for Jesus, the secret place, number one, it was his daily routine. Mark 1.35 says, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. I tell you, I hate waking up real early in the morning. If I do wake up really early in the morning, the next day I'm paying for it, usually is what it feels like. But I make myself at least one day a week get up very early in the morning to make sure that I get along with God for one hour at least that particular morning. See, and Jesus did it very regularly. It was his daily routine. He got up before daylight, went out and departed into an alone place, and there he prayed. For Jesus, the secret place was the place of his preparation and empowerment for ministry. You remember when Jesus was baptized in water, the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness where he prayed and he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And here's what I want you to understand. In that place of prayer and fasting, some of you are going to have to face your demons. Because you've got to overcome them if you're going to move forward into this year for God. Some of y'all are, are content with just sort of managing your demons. But he needs you to take them into the secret place. And when they show up with those temptations, you deal a death blow to them and speak the word of God like Jesus did. And it says when he resisted those temptations of the enemy in the secret place, he came back in the power of the Spirit and he was empowered for the ministry that he was called to. Number three, it was the place where he recharged after hard work. When his disciples were working very hard, he said, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. It was the place where he processed his grief. I know a lot of people in here, you've went through grief. You've went through loss. People have died this year and you're going through pain. You know what Jesus did? Scripture says when he heard about John the Baptist, his cousin's death, that he heard it and he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. He needed to grieve his cousin. He needed to grieve the loss. He spent time alone with God in order to grieve. I'm telling you, take that pain into the secret place. Take that grief into the secret place. God will meet you there. He will comfort you there. 
Number five, he received wisdom in the secret place for important decisions. Luke 6 says, Now it came to pass in those days that when he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Y'all ever done that? I'm talking about sometimes if you want to see God move, you have to think radically about how you seek God. There's a time and a place, and I'm not kidding, to stay up all night and pray to God. I'm not kidding. Say, well, no, I mean, that's a little bit too much, Clay. I got my five-minute devotional in the morning. There's times when seeking God calls for a little bit more radical actions. In order to prepare your heart, you don't just want the daily routine. There's moments. And, and here's the thing. If Jesus needs to sometimes go apart to pray all night to God, and He's God in the flesh, how much more so do me and all my brokenness and messed upness need to get along with God sometimes through the night? And it says, That night when it was day, He called His disciples to Himself, and from them He chose twelve whom He named apostles. He made the decision of who He was going to pick. Sometimes it was number six where he went in times of distress. The secret places where he went in times of distress. He went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he was praying there at night. And if you remember, he said, Lord, please take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And he received strength during that time of distress to stand up and say, I'm going to the cross no matter what it costs me. And lastly, it was where he focused on prayer as the key to his anointing. Luke 5 says, He himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. He often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. And now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now, now some of you all, you don't really believe in the power of the Lord. And if you, because you, you do, but you believe in it in like a theoretical type of a way. But I'm telling you that Jesus understood. He prayed and fasted for 40 days. It says He comes back in the power of the Spirit. Miracles begin to break out among Him. But He would retreat often. Why? Because He needs a refilling on the anointing. He needs to be with God. And I'm telling you, the power of God in your life to empower you to do what you could not do in your own comes from that place of prayer and fasting. It comes from that place of secret devotion. And at the beginning of the year, you can make a big deposit that you can then maintain throughout the rest of the year through your private prayer life. And this is what Jesus did, and this is what He calls us to. God's address is Matthew 6, 6, Secret Place Drive. Amen. Amen. That's where He lives. But you must go by choice and you must shut the door to go where he is. See, y'all got to be honest with me this morning. You know it's true. How distracted are we right now? How distracted are we with Netflix, Hulu, Facebook, Instagram, kids' ball games, school? I mean, every, every bit of it. How distracted are we? Let's just be honest. Like, I like stuff just as much as the next person. I like a good TV show. Hey, I ain't, I ain't got nothing against a good TV show. All right? That, that's not what I'm saying. I ain't got nothing against a, a decent little Facebook scroll every now and then. Oh, wow, look at that. Mm. I got to be honest, most of the stuff I see on there doesn't really encourage me. It really doesn't. My, my, a lot of it brings me anxiety. A lot of it doesn't do me good. And I'm telling you, some of you need a soul cleanse from a lot of these distractions to say, I need to get with God in the secret place. And, 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 and I think sometimes the fact that we will spend so much time, hours on social media, hours on television, and not five minutes in the secret place really reveals that something is wrong with us spiritually. And that's hard for people to hear, but it reveals it. And you say, but Clay, none of those things are sin. People all the time tell me, none of these things aren't sin. Clay, it's not a sin to watch TV. I say, Amen, sure. It could be a sin, depending on what you're watching and how, how long you're Some people are idolaters, right? Some people give these things the place of what God should have in their life. I love what Susanna Wesley said. This is John Wesley's mama. She said to him when he was a boy, he said, Mama, what is sin? And she said this. Whatever weakens your reason, impairs the tenderness of your conscience, obscures your sense of God, takes off your relish for spiritual things, whatever increases the authority of the body over the mind, that thing is sin to you, however innocent it may seem in itself. Man, that's good. 
This woman, get, the, get this, y'all. You talk about the secret place. Oh, I'm just too busy to pray. We're too busy to pray. This woman right here had 19 kids. Her, her husband was not home that often. He was a traveling minister. He was home rarely. She took care of 19 kids. Matter of fact, the other day I was telling Andrea about Susanna Wesley because I talk about her a lot. She's one of my heroes of the faith because she raised two young men, John and, and Charles Wesley, who, who just basically revolutionized Christianity and brought about the Second Great Awakening. And, but what she did is she'd be working at home day in, day out, taking care of 19 kids, taking care of the home, feeding them, doing all this stuff. But what she would tell them, she would say, now, boys and girls, listen to me. When mama pulls her apron up over her head, she's in the secret place with God. And you don't touch mama. And they knew. In one of our kids' books that's about prayer for Naomi, we was reading it, it has Susanna Wesley in it, and it's got her in the book with her apron up over her head. As if to say, you know what, kid, I know y'all going to be running around wild, but when I pull my apron up over my head, I'm not paying attention to you because I'm in the secret place with God. Because there comes a time when in order to get into the secret place, what does Jesus say? He says, you're going to have to shut the door. If you play with things and you, and you try to find, if, oh, well, I'll try to find some time when I can. No, he says, if you're going to be intentional about prayer, you've got to learn that there's an actual time where you shut the door. You pull your apron up over your head and you say, this time, this space, this thing, this season is dedicated to God. Now, are there some things in your life that you need to shut the door on? It could be that you need to shut the door on some relationships. For some of you, it ain't doing you no good. You may need to shut the door for a season on social media. For some of you, you may need to shut the door on the TV for just a minute. For some of you, you may need to shut the door on some things that are going on in your mind and you need to get into the Word of God and say, this is the truth about who God says I am. I need to shut the door on some lies. I need to shut the door on the enemy. I need to shut the door on some addictions and on some compromise that I've allowed to creep into my life and I need to get alone with God in the secret place. Make God the center of your attention. Make God your obsession and shut the door on everything else. You know, there's no substitution for the secret place. I've tried to substitute things for the secret place. I tried to substitute the secret place with seminary. I thought, man, I go to seminary, I'll get smart, become a real teacher of the Bible. And as good as that stuff is, as good as education is, I ain't hating on it. I love people getting education and getting knowledge. It ain't no substitute for the secret place. I tried to substitute the secret place for, with ministry. I just do more ministry. I preach more. I preach every opportunity I had. And what I noticed was every time I preached, when I wasn't in the secret place, there was no power. There was no weight on what I said. It didn't impact people. I didn't feel a fire in my gut because I wasn't with God. I wasn't hearing from God. I was just preaching the same thing that I preached over and over and over again. But nothing was happening. Nothing was burning in my soul. I tried to replace the secret place with a bigger church, with greater programs, with more small groups. None of it works. If we're not in the secret place, a small group can't save you. Church on Sunday morning can't save you. You need to get with God in the secret place. There is no replacement. All true Christian ministry overflows from the secret place. You say, I want God to use me. You know why He's going to use you and where He's going to use you? Because you've been alone with Him in the secret place. If you've been alone with God, he says, now that's one that I can use. That's one that I see values the secret place. It's not just about, I love reading books, and I love to, but it's not just about reading books. There's a time, and I, I told Andrea this the other day, there's a time where I go into the secret place, and I ain't taking my note, but I don't want to write nothing. I may not even take my Bible. Now, I'm not saying don't take, take your Bible in there, but there's a time where I don't need anything but God himself. You understand what I'm saying? There's a time where it needs to be you and God. You take a walk, you get in a closet, you get in a room, whatever you got to do to get in that secret place. And it says, your father who sees in secret, verse 6, he will reward you openly. He sees it in secret. Now, how much of a pull is it in our generation just to make everything public? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like even when we give or if something happens and... You know, we, need to, we, we want to bless some people. Let, let, let's, let's post this giving on social. Let's let everybody know that we gave. Let, let, let's, let's pray and let everybody know that we're praying. Let, let, let's, let's fast and, and, and let everybody know that we're fasting. Now, I get there's a place for corporate fasting. There really is. Throughout Scripture, Esther called a three-day fast, and she called them to no food, no water, three days. The cattle didn't eat or drink. The babies didn't eat or drink. 
I mean, they called a three-day fast. They stuck to that three-day fast, and that God brought deliverance to the nation. And there's a time to call a public fast because otherwise, i got to be honest with you, I don't know that other people would do it if they weren't called to it. But what I'm asking is, we come into this place of corporate fasting because we need God. We recognize our need for God. We recognize our need for God to move. We call upon the name of the Lord. But then it launches you into something personal and private with God throughout the rest of the year. Where there ain't nobody else got to call you to the secret place. There ain't nobody else got to call you to push back the plate every now and then in order to seek God's face. But see, there is a pull to make our whole lives public now. If we get a new job, if we get a new house, if we get this or that, we want to make everything public. But see, there's something about the secret place with God. People don't want to live in it. You know, if you go to the secret place with God, you know why people hate it so bad? Because they finally have to deal with themselves. You really are who you really are in the secret place. Some of y'all know as good as I do that if I'm in your living room, you're going to act a certain way. And when I get up and leave and you know you got four hours alone with nobody there, you're going to act different. Somebody amen me this morning, right? But what if you begin to live a life of the fear of the Lord where the secret place was the most holy place? It was when you were alone that you were then aware, oh, I'm in God's presence. And it was when you were alone that you paid even closer attention to the way that you were acting. I remember when I first got set free from sin, I was so happy that the Spirit of God had come and done a work in my life that when I was alone, that alone time was the most holy place. It was more holy than when I was around you or somebody else because then I was in the presence of God. And I recognized that I didn't want to step into sin. If I had a temptation to go back to pornography or a temptation to go back to this particular sin, it was in that moment that I realized, no, I'm in the presence of a holy God. I know I could secretly do this and nobody would find out, but God is here. See, that, there's a huge difference because when you have a relationship with God, it's in the secret place when you're alone that you find out who you really are. That's when you begin to realize, no, no, no. See, because the devil will counterfeit God's secret place, won't he? God's got a secret place, but you know who else has got a secret place? The devil has a secret place. And he tries to lure you and entice you into that secret place of addiction, into that secret place of shame and guilt, into that secret place of secret sin. And can I tell you this? There are many people and many Christians who enter into a life of secret sin because they left the life of secret prayer. I'm going to let that settle in on you because I know that hits most of us. So many of us, we enter into a life of secret sin because we left the life of secret prayer. And I'm telling you, the reason the Lord put this on my heart this morning for the first New Year's message is because if we can get this right at the beginning of the year and move back into the secret place, it's going to transform who we are. It's going to transform who God has called us to be, and we're going to find the real us in that place. But behind every legitimate, powerful, spiritual life is a secret life of prayer. The secret place is where we fight our hidden battles. In 1 Samuel 17, David Verse 34 and 35, let me read this to you. It says, But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. And this is right when he's about to go up against Goliath. And they think he ain't nothing but a little boy. And they say, but you can't go up against the Goliath. You're just a little boy. He's about nine foot tall. He's been a man of war from his youth. There's no way you can fight it. And he says, you know what? Let me tell you something. When I was in the secret place where nobody else was around, there was a lion and a bear that came out to get the little lamb of Bethlehem, which is representative of Christ, and to take that from the flock. And you know what I did? I rose up against it. God empowered me. And I rose up and I struck and I killed the lion and I killed the bear. And he said, let me tell you something. Because I've been with God in the secret place and I did that in private, now that I'm in public, I know that the same God that killed those things in the secret place is the same God that's going to empower me to kill this giant in the public place. And that's what he understood. I'm telling you, in order to be able to win battles in the public place, you first have to win the battles in the secret place. Most people never advance in the public place because they've not won any battles in the secret place. And what everybody wants, though, is public exaltation, don't they? Everybody wants to be exalted. David was anointed king, and it took him 15 years before he became king. 
So many people want to be elevated. They want to be lifted up. It's so interesting because what did David kill? He killed the lion and he killed the bear. A lion travels. If you get a pack of lions, you know what they're called? They're called a pride. And in the secret place, one of the things that you're going to have to kill is your pride. One of the things that you're going to have to murder by the power of the Spirit is your pride. And that is your selfishness. That is your inability to receive correction from God or from anybody else. That's this, this, this self-dependence and this saying, I can do this on my own. I don't need God. The, the greatest measure of pride in a person's life is prayerlessness. Is that good this morning? <laughs> because basically what it means is you think that you can make it on your own. You're self-reliant. You can make it on your own power. You can make it on your own energy. But see, if we're going to go into that secret place, one of the first things that we have got to kill is pride. And see, David realized it was so interesting because when God called David, where was he found? They called his other brothers out. And they, the, 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 the prophet Samuel was looking for David. He didn't see him. And they didn't even imagine that David could have even possibly been the one. But when God chose him, why did he choose him? Because he was in the secret place writing love songs to God, writing poetry to God, winning secret battles that nobody else knew about. And see, when God sees that happen in secret, he rewards you openly. David came into the public place and the oil was poured on his head. The anointing of the Holy Spirit came upon him. You win your victories in the secret place, the anointing of God will come upon you in public. Amen. The bear that he killed travels. It's very interesting. I don't know if you knew what a bear travels in, but it travels in what's called a sloth. Y'all know what sloth is? It's kind of another word for laziness. How many of y'all are lazy? I'm lazy sometimes. Somebody, amen, praise God. I, I just like, I like to feel, you know what I'm saying? I like to know that other people are lazy. <laughs> Makes me feel better. Like I gotta, I gotta fight to maintain discipline, y'all. I'm not up here telling you that, look at me, I'm, I'm so disciplined. I, I struggle to maintain discipline. I have to fight. I'm just like the rest of you. If I don't fight, I will slip back into temptation. I'll slip back into the flesh. And one thing that I have got to kill is my sloth, my laziness, this carelessness. See, when you sit back and you've got spiritual sloth, you just don't care about prayer. You're sort of flipping. I mean, they're going to pray and fast. Who really cares? It ain't that big a deal. I got some TV to watch. That's sloth. See, when you, when you realize, when you begin to think that your life is not significant to the kingdom of God, that's sloth. God needs you, God wants you, but He cannot use you if you don't seek Him. And He's saying, you got to realize, you can't be lazy on this thing. I'm calling you to something. I need you to give me your heart. I need you to give me your life. And you're going to find that I'm going to use you to do things that you've never imagined. If you are a Christian in this place, you are called this morning. And God is saying, I need you to come to me. I need you to put to death that apathy. I need you to put to death that carelessness about spiritual things. And I need you to fight to get into the secret place. It's not easy, but if it, if it was easy, everybody would do it. If it was easy, everybody would do it. God wants to give you a reward, but it's going to come through effort. It's going to come through meeting God in the secret place and choosing to seek His face and shut the door on some things. Thomas Aquinas, he said this, he says, Man cannot live without joy. And that is why one deprived of spiritual joy goes over to carnal pleasure. I remember when I first started seeking the Lord, I was praying and fasting. I did, I did, I did my first fast on a, on a Christmas day, addicted to everything in the world. I said, Jesus, they say this is your birthday. I ain't going to eat nothing today because I need you to help me. <laughs> That's the best thing I could figure out. It led, me in, it led me into a season where I went deeper into prayer and fasting, stretched it to three days, would, would go even further. And I would pray and I'd read scripture. And I came to a place after about 11 months of seeking God where I met the power of God in that moment and He broke all those fleshly bondages off of my life. But here's the thing that I often realize is that He says man cannot live without joy and that one that is deprived of spiritual joy goes over to carnal pleasure. I lived in carnal pleasure because I was looking for joy. And it led me deeper into emptiness and deeper into depression. But can I tell you this? I notice in my own personal life that when I'm not in the secret place, I start to lose my spiritual joy. I don't have it. I don't know where it's at, but I don't have it. And you know what happens? 
All of a sudden, those old carnal temptations become more appealing once again. I remember when I first got filled with the Holy Spirit, I was so filled with the joy of God, I was mad at people over it. I was like, why didn't you tell me this was so good? Y'all set up on Sunday morning and act like it was the worst thing ever, act like it was so boring and there wasn't nothing good about it. Why didn't you tell me this is better than any drug I've ever had? Better than any sex, better than anything I've ever enjoyed in a carnal place. And that was what led me to a place where I could resist the temptations of sin because I had spiritual joy from the secret place. But when we don't have that spiritual joy from the secret place, we start to look for other things that will bring us some form of satisfaction. We move back over and see he had to kill the flesh in the secret place. Man, when I first got called to preach, I about completely blacked out. I mean, I freaked out, y'all. My greatest fear in life, I hope somebody else can associate with this, but it was public speaking. Still can't stand it. I mean, I have to go home and decompress every, every Sunday and like just try to mentally unplug. Cannot stand it. And I remember going into that place. I, when I first got called to preach and I was going I to preach the first time, I mean, I called my pastor one night at 3 a.m. I, I was crying. I can't do this, man. And he said, buddy, if you can't do it, that's fine. He said, but you need to just get with the Lord. You need to get along with God. You know what I did? I got along with God. I was rolling on the floor pulling my hair out in the greatest amount of fear ever. And I just got a little note of a voice that said, son, this ain't about you. I'm going to empower you to do what I've called you to do. And I got up there trembling, shaking. And when I stood up there, I felt the power of the Holy Spirit come upon me and give me peace. And all of a sudden, out of my mouth began to flow words, and I didn't know where they were coming from. And I said, man, this is something supernatural. This is beyond me. This is bigger than me. This ain't about me. And what I'm telling you, if you'll go to God in the secret place, you'll realize this is not about you. He'll call you into something beyond your giftings, beyond your abilities, beyond your doubts, beyond your fears. And he'll say, this is not about what you can do. This is about what I can do through you if you will yield to me. You'll find a supernatural power in the secret place because it's the place of exchange. In Isaiah 40, verse 30 and 31, it says, Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and many of you are weary. I've been weary in some seasons this year. I've wanted to faint in some seasons this year. It says, The young men shall utterly fall, but those who wait... The word there means to patiently linger and be expectant and to look eagerly, to bind together with God, to seek God. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall exchange their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. If you're weak, you need to go to the secret place. And when you do, you will come out of that secret place with a newfound power and strength. You'll start mounting up on wings like eagles and the Spirit of God will just carry you on His current. You'll wonder, how am I doing what I'm doing? And it's because you've been in the secret place. You've been waiting on the Lord. I'm telling you, folks, this is the key. Here's where I'm going to close. David reveals the secret place in Psalm 91. He understood the benefits from dwelling in the secret place. In one of my favorite chapters in Scripture, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He who dwells. To dwell means to take up residence in that scripture. It doesn't mean you visit the secret place. It doesn't mean that you, you know, happen by the secret place, but you make it the place where you abide. He says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, he shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Now, I love it. I'm going to give you some benefits of dwelling in the secret place. Number one is divine protection. If you read through Psalm 91, he says, Now, here's some benefits of those who dwell in the secret place. And number one is divine protection. It says, You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand shall fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because he has made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, His dwelling place. Therefore, no evil shall befall you, neither shall any plague come near your dwelling. I remember it, talk, it talks about sickness, because right now we got sickness everywhere. I tried to tell Andrea the other day, you know, everybody's breaking out with stomach. Like, I get sick too. We get sick, like, right? But I'm going to tell you something. Even, even I know that I am not impervious to disease and stuff, I still pray and believe God to protect me. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying I ain't going to get sick. I'm not saying you're going to pray this, and every time you pray, you ain't going to get sick. But I'm saying that if I don't want to get sick, you know what I do? I pray this. Because I believe God. 
I believe him. If he's going to let me get sick, then he'll take care of me in it. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I just want to trust God and I want to dwell in the secret place. But he says there's a place of divine protection for those who dwell in the secret place. Those who dwell in that place. Secondly, there's fearlessness. He says, you shall not be afraid of the terror at night or the arrow by day or pestilence in darkness or destruction that lays waste at noonday. So many people are so afraid of what's might, what might take place in their lives. The sickness that may come, the job they may lose, what may happen here, what's going to happen with their health, what's going to happen with their children. And he's saying, no, when you dwell in the secret place, one of the things that the Spirit of God begins to do is he begins to, to eliminate fearlessness. So many things, so many anxieties and fears that you have, I'm telling you, they will be eliminated in the secret place. I ain't saying we ain't going to have doubts. I ain't saying fears don't creep up every now and then. But I'm saying that the secret place will deal a death blow to some fear. Third is deliverance. At the end of the psalm, he says, Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I'm telling you something. The secret, when I got into the secret place was when God started to hack away at the chains that bound me. Some of you need deliverance from addictions. Some of you need deliverance from anxiety and fear. Some, some of you need deliverance from depression and oppression. And God is saying, you get in the secret place, guess what? I'm going to bring you to a place. I am going to deliver you from the trap of the enemy. In the beginning of it, he says, I will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. That means that this year, guess what? Satan has traps set out for your life. He's got traps set out for you. He wants to bring you into depression and oppression and anxiety and fear and doubt and all those things and more addictions, whatever it may be. But God says, no, you dwell in the secret place. I'll let you know the trap before it comes. I'll let you see that trap ahead of time and I will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. Number four is position and authority. He says, I'll set him on high because he has known my name. And I love in verse 13, it says, guess what you'll do? You'll tread upon the lion and the adder, the lion and the dragon. You shall trample underfoot. He's saying, I'm going to set you up in a high position. I need you to understand this. In the prayer closet, in the alone place with God, you can go in there with the weight of the world on you. And all of a sudden, whenever you're in the middle of that and you sense the presence of God, he lifts you up to a high place. And you realize a couple of things. You see from an advantageous position over the enemy. You see things differently. You get a fresh perspective and you realize, no, you know what? I got authority over you, devil. And I will tread upon the lion and the dragon. I will tread upon the lion and the dragon and I will trample them underfoot. You got nothing on me, Satan. Jesus is my deliverer. He's going to set me free from every trap that you've got against me this year. And I'm going to walk in my position on high and I'm going to be standing in the authority that I have over you, Satan. And you take that stance. Why? Because you've been in the secret place. You've been with God. You've been with the one who holds all power in his hand. How can you lose this year if you're a child of God? How can the enemy defeat your family this year if you are a child of God? How can you lose? You've got God on your side. If God be for us, who can be against us? Number five, he says his answered prayer. Verse 15, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. Some people say, well, I just don't pray because, because I just don't even feel like it works. I don't have any answers to prayer. How much have you really... I'm not talking about you pray on your way to work driving in the car. That's good. Pray throughout the day, but take some time to get alone with God in the secret place. It's in that place where it's just you and God. Something happens, your soul recalibrates. I know sometimes messages like this, they, they almost feel like a burden because it's like, man, that's more than I'm doing. I just don't feel like you have to do that much clay. Pastor, I feel like you put burdens on people. Let me tell you something. If we always went soft in the paint and never challenged anybody to seek the Lord, number one, we would not be doing what Jesus did. Because he challenged his disciples to seek the Lord. He brought them into that place. He said, this is the life that we live. This is how we follow. This is the rule of life. And he says, what you think is that the easy route is actually somehow better for you. But he says, if you want to find peace and rest and ease, it actually takes a little bit of discipline in the beginning. It's the life of a disciple. That's where you're going to find peace and rest and ease. And so I know it feels like when I'm preaching this that it's like, oh, well, Clay, you're just putting more on us than we can handle, more than we can bear because we want the easy route. No, what you want is this route. You want the way of Jesus. You just don't realize it yet. You want the secret place. You just ain't been there long enough yet. I'm telling you, there's answered prayer. He will answer number six, presence. He says, I will be with him in trouble. Some of y'all, you've been in some trouble this year. Felt like the Lord wasn't there when you was in it, maybe, for some of you. But he says, you go to the secret place, you're going to find out 
that I'm there with you in that trouble. And he's going to honor you. He said, I will deliver him and I will honor him. And I love what it says. With a long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. I like that with long life, I will satisfy him. How many of you want to live a long time? Right? Most people do. Nobody said, you know what, I sure would like to live a short life. Nobody says that. He says, with long life, I will satisfy him. But you know, here's the other thing. You can live to be 90 and never be satisfied. Wanting this, wanting that, wanting something different. And I'm telling you, you know, you know people who win the Super Bowl and, and people, actors who have won the Oscar Award, some of them, they get done and they say it's the most miserable day of their life because they chased after what they wanted so hard, gave their life and their devotion for it, and when they finally got it, it didn't satisfy them. It wasn't enough. And you can chase after the things of this world and you can chase after becoming the best at this or the best at that, winning this, winning that, getting a better house, a better car, a better woman, a better man, whatever you want, whatever you think, yeah, that thing is going to satisfy No, that thing will never satisfy you. What's going to satisfy you? I promise. You want to live a life of satisfaction? You could drive a beat-up car, have an old beat-down, run-down house, but in the secret place, if you're there with God, you're going to find satisfaction like you've never had before in your life. That's the truth. I've lived, I've chased after stuff, I've had money, ain't had much money. But the most content and peaceful and happy times in my life was when I've been with God in the secret place. Undistracted, focused on Jesus, Him being my everything. Lastly, He says, I'll show Him my salvation. And the thing that He wants to give us all is salvation. But when we talk about salvation, we're not simply talking about saying a prayer so you can go to heaven when you die. Salvation is so much more rich than that. When Jesus talked about salvation, he talked about freedom. He talked about deliverance. Yes, he talked about eternal life. But see, he wants to show you his salvation, not just so you can go to heaven when you die, but so that you can live a life of freedom and wholeness here. He says, I want to show you my salvation this year. And if you will dwell in the secret place, you will abide under the shadow of the Most High. And with long life, He will satisfy you. He'll give you satisfaction and He will reveal His salvation to you this year. Yo, know, I'm, I'm saved, Clay. I've said a prayer and got baptized. Congratulations. You need the salvation of God at work in your life. Today. Today you need the Lord to minister to your heart. Amen. I want you to bow your heads with me. My prayer is that we would all just sense God drawing us in to this secret place. I need it as much as anybody else does. I am as distracted as anybody else is. I'm as hung up on things as anybody else, and so I'm in this with you. But I know from my heart and from the Spirit of God that this is what he's calling us to. He's calling us to the secret place because he says this. And here's the thing. So many of you, you got so many burdens. You're taking care of kids. You got a job. You got a family. Life is difficult. Life is challenging. But if you will listen to the Spirit of God, he's saying, if you will consecrate yourself and give me what little you can in those places that you set aside to me, I will honor it. I will receive it. And I will bless that time. And that which God sees in secret, He will reward openly. And so, Father, right now we come to You and we ask, God, that You would reveal Your salvation to people in this house this morning that don't know You, Jesus, and need to begin to follow You. I pray, God, that You would convict their hearts, that You would draw them to a place of repentance, that they would receive salvation, and that they would profess that publicly, God, in Jesus' name. But, Lord, we, we renew our hearts in our minds and we pray Holy Spirit that you would fill us afresh and you would give us the guidance and the direction that we need in moving forward this year. God I bless each person in the mighty name of Jesus.